Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. This is episode 40, and we're recording this on Friday, the 23rd of October. If you've missed any of the previous 39 episodes, you really need to subscribe. So today it is a US presidential election special with less than two weeks to go until we find out who'll be sitting in the White House for the next four years. Now, this, of course, is principally a, a money podcast, although we have been known to drift into the odd of the topic from time to time. But to tell us whether the US election will leave you with a fistful of dollars or perhaps hoping for a few dollars more, we are joined by a magnificent three today. Back on the podcast this week is Stars and Stripes Sexton himself. Jamie Sexton's here. <laughs> Hello, Jamie. How are you doing? Morning, Peter. Doing very well. Thank you. Good. Uh, we've roped him back in for another week. It's Jeff Cowboy Casson. He knows everything about the markets and he'll tell us just how they are shaping up. Hello, Jeff. Morning, Peter. You well? Very well. Good to see you. And last but not least, uh, no podcast would be the same without him. It's Hot Dog Harrison, David Harrison, back on the podcast this week as well. Hello, David. Hello. I don't know what your nickname is. I don't have one. I'm I just think make... <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm thinking of a few names for you right now, but there you go. <laughs> Looking quite smart today, David. You've, you've, uh, did you get up earlier this morning? No, Peter. I just got up about five minutes ago. But, um, <laughs> but I looked almost the same yesterday because I had the same clothes on. So, so yeah. Somebody said the same yesterday, and I gave them a bonus. I think it pays to say you look smart. Oh well, good. Well, I'll be looking forward to that then. Um, right. So I did say at the start there, it's a US presidential election special. Obviously, there was the big debate um, in the middle of the night, our time. Can I just ask, did anybody actually stay up to watch any of it? <laughs> <laughs> no, by the sound no, of it. No, no. no. <laughs> it's one of those things with the best of intentions. You think it maybe about 11 o'clock. I might just stay up and then about, about midnight. No, I'm going to go to bed and catch up in the morning. So hopefully you've all had a chance to see how it's gone on. I can probably summarise a little bit for you early now and just say that if you're a Biden supporter, he definitely won. If you're a Trump supporter, he definitely won. And if you're in the middle and you don't particularly support any of them, you're just thinking, is this the best choice we've got? I think that probably is the summary of how it's going down after that debate last night. But um, Jamie, I might come to you first. I don't know how much attention you've, you've paid to the US presidential election so far, um, but what's your, for, from, you know, from Boston to Berkeley, what's your sort of What's your, what's your view? It's, it's interesting, Peter. As you know, I've got friends in um, Texas uh, who are, uh, they're not Trump supporters, but they basically said it was, I'm not a Biden supporter. Um, and we had a similar sort of conversation when it was the, the Clinton-Trump. Uh, I am not I can't vote for Hillary. It was that mm -hmm. sort of uh, situation. I think they're very, they're the centre people that you would expect. Um, it's... I you know it's interesting. I find it, you know, looking at sort of British politics compared to, you know, a British election compared to a, a um, American election. It's interesting how much money they can they can actually spend in the campaigns that, that go in there. Um, and I think I, I asked you about it. What would you do if you had as much money as they as they did uh, over here? Uh, but I think, from my view, I, I think, you know, obviously the, the polls are strong with Biden at this minute in time. Will he will he get in? Um, they were strong with Clinton at the time, a couple of um, you know, months before the, the last election. You really, you really don't know. It'd be interesting how the postal votes of Exeter. Uh, I was reading that they don't actually check the postal votes until afterwards, so there's no inclination, obviously. Um, so I don't know. I think it's you kind of want to, you know, you obviously it's been a bit of a pantomime with Trump over the last couple of months with the with the coronavirus and the, the way he came out as a hero and he's now immune, as he keeps telling everybody. Um, I think you kind of, you really don't know, but a judge, you would think it would, you would think it was really, really was a pantomime, but then you obviously look at British politics and it looks very similar at this minute in time. So maybe it's just the way of the world. Mm. You're right. Look at the, the, uh, I was looking at some of the betting odds this morning and obviously been looking at that over the last few weeks and, you know, Biden is absolutely the favourite, but as you rightly said, Hillary Clinton was at the same stage. Yeah four years ago and, and look where we are now. So I, I noticed in, a couple of days ago, David, in the news that um, Trump's got his uh, choice for the senators now that's going through and probably looks like she'll be appointed to the Supreme Court for the Supreme Court, sorry, not the Senate, it's with the Senate for to be appointed to the Supreme Court. I think on Monday yeah. it should happen, which obviously then gives an even bigger conservative majority on the Supreme Court. Um, do you think that might find that the, the Supreme Court has a role in deciding the next president? Do you think we're heading that way? 
Well, yes. I, I, it depends how much thought you believe that any voter gives to what is going on. And of course, presidential elections are quite different um, to UK elections where you are playing one against the other. And the, the, the personality is dumbed down somewhat, although lately, you know, you, you, you are getting just a prime minister and a potential prime minister for the last few years um, debating with each other which I think is sad in a way. I think uh, uh, Jimmy just said might be the way of the world. We have to remember, I think it's something like 47 to 48 million postal votes have already gone in, um, Peter. So, you know, that's out of, I think it's 330, but 320 to 330 million people live in the USA. Uh, so, Supreme Court choice really means that uh, if you get a majority there, a lot of the stuff that Trump would want to get through has got more likelihood of going through because these are highly politicised uh, uh, legal people. I have to say, unlike Britain, where um, in theory the Supreme Court must be should be independent, but I think it, we were testing the credibility of independence, the way they acted over the Brexit situation. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it's the same with a lot of these things which, seen, uh, which are seen as conservative or supposed to be neutral. Um, I don't think it's such a thing as neutrality. Uh, I don't think the BBC were neutral. I think we have to make them more neutral for the sake of us all, really. So would it have an effect? Um, I don't know, uh, Peter, we maybe come back to that later, uh, you know, but you know, it's bound to be a factor there. As Jamie says, down in Texas, you expect them to be, you know, Republican. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I've never met a Democrat. <laughs> in, in, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't come across anybody who's ever admitted to be a Democrat. And I've traveled and we've owned property in the, the States you know, extensively. Um, so it's, uh, <laughs> and we often compare Democrats there with Labour here or, or whatever. Um, and there's, there are some typical topics, but you've got to remember Biden wants to get elected. Um, you know, so he'll bring in, he'll use racism, he'll use Black Lives Matter, he'll, he'll use all of that kind of stuff. I strongly he'll also use I hate oil, even though oil on its own is probably one of the things that's made America great. Um, oil has caused more fighting, killed more people, uh, more Americans, and probably anything else, the fight for oil in the Middle East, you know. So um, it will be interesting, as you say, Biden's ahead. Um, the both look pretty crazy to me. I mean, there's no doubt about it that Biden is a sneaky, is a sneaky thing. And Trump is just a, he is a pantomime villain, isn't he? Um, same with the COVID approach. One is let's not allow anybody to get it because it might, might kill you, even though the facts show there's hardly any chance of it in statistical terms, uh, likely to kill you. Um, but America's record is the same as so ours. We're an open society, Peter. Um, you know, we're a social society. We, we, we find it very difficult to, to lock Britons down, never mind Americans, you know. Um, uh, the, there's a degree of lawlessness, if you like, there, which we've never seen here, but could see, you know, every place can go like that. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, as much as you well, can you, be you mentioned, uh, you mentioned there, David, the 40 million postal votes. And, you know, you can see if you look back over the last month or so, even longer, Trump's already casting doubt on that and fraudulent voting and all the rest of it. And, you know, it's just set up perfectly if it's a close one or if he loses to say, well, I don't trust that because 40 million of those votes, you know, are suspicious. So let's head off to the Supreme Court and have a little look at that. Of course, he's now got a, yeah. a bigger majority. But Jeff, coming over to you. Um, how do you how do you see things shaping up over the next couple of weeks? 
I think ultimately it's about the news flow and we know that ultimately stock markets are sort of voting machines and they, they take on board what they hear and they, they make a choice about it. And that's been something that's been pretty evident over the past number of, of weeks, really, as we've seen various different policies be discussed, how they may or may not impact um, asset markets. If we think about one of the main differences between what Biden and Trump have talked about, a lot of it's around taxation and corporate taxation in particular. So if we go back to to when Trump came in, he lowered uh, corporation tax from 35% to I think 21, 22% there thereabouts. Clearly, one of the things that, that Biden has suggested is that, well, we need to see corporation tax increased. So he suggested something moving it back up to 28 to 30%. So you, you feed that through and you think about the impact that that has on, on companies that, that takes away from their earnings power. Um, it takes away from their ability to potentially invest in, in new opportunities as well. So clearly for those companies that would see an increase in their, their tax rate, that has been viewed as, as a bit of a negative. We've also had, um, I suppose going back to the, you know, maybe one of the first podcasts that we have where we talked about the differences between how Democrats and Democratic um, nominees thought about the role of technology and the big technology companies in particular and how they may or may not be um, regulated going forward. That's something that is at the front of the, the market's mind as well. And what I think is interesting over the past number of weeks is, as we've discussed there, the odds have moved in favour of, of Biden and quite significantly so. You haven't really seen an impact on the technology sector to that great an extent, despite the thought that regulation could in, increase around them. So I think that, I suppose, gives you a sense of, yes, these things can be important, but ultimately it's about the economy and either Trump or Biden coming in, both are going to enact further fiscal support for the US economy. That's a positive. We've continued to see relatively good uh, momentum in economic indicators from the US relative to what we're seeing in Europe. And it goes back to, I suppose, the, one of the points that, that David was alluding to there, that the US has, has tried to stay open and has tried to work its way um, through um, through COVID-19. And that, that's evident in the data where we see a very strong housing market. We're seeing a strong recovery in, in employment as well, where if we go back just a couple of months, you had continuing claims of the in the US of some 20 million million people. That was down to, to about 8.4 million when we got the data yesterday. And the continuing weekly claims continues to come down. If we contrast that maybe with just the UK, um, a slightly different uh, dynamic. So there, there's many things at play. And I suppose going back to the, the old adage in the US elections that it's, it's about the economy. And mm. if the economy is doing well, the incumbent tends to be re-elected. We know there are challenges at the moment, but it's interesting just taking that, that that step back and thinking about the debate last night, maybe the fact that they were both very, not conciliatory, but much less like a boxing match, like the last one is just them trying to appeal to to a wider wider voter um, regime at this point in time. So that's been sort of in markets. The other thing around markets this week has definitely just been around, around Brexit, the renegotiation or the, the talks coming back to the table, that playing out in Sterling. I think for me, the, the big thing in the market this week has just been the bond market. I know it sounds like a relatively boring thing to a lot of people, but we've seen bond yields continue to, to move up. And that typically um, would be suggestive of an improving economic uh, backdrop. So the, the bond market at one level, thinking that, that stimulus will come and, and will be quite significant, both in uh, Europe, but also in, in the US. Jeff, you mentioned the, the the ups and downs of the U.S. market and and domestic as well. But uh, it, just in the middle of this week, um, Daniel, who's obviously not on the podcast today, did a um, a, a live session with some uh, financial advisors um, from True Potential, and we sort of looked at the markets where they were on Wednesday morning. And at that point, the U.S. was sort of leading the way. You know, a bit bit more turbulent, let's say, you know, in the FTSE. And in Europe, has that continued, or, or where, where, how, how have they worked out it towards the end of the week? It, it's kind of really continued in that that Europe has, in the face of 
rising COVID-19 restrictions. You've just seen that impact in feeding into sentiment and, and impacting Europe. US has very much just been driven by uh, Twitter and not really the presidential debate, if I'm honest, much more around just whether uh, Nancy Pelosi and her um, Republican counterpart can actually agree on some form of fiscal support package. And that's been the, the driver of of US equity markets over the week, not not really the presidential debate. And I don't think that'll come to the market at all that much today, given there wasn't a lot said um, last night in terms of the discussion. Yeah. Jamie, uh, you obviously talk to a lot of clients and, and financial advisors, and obviously through them, you get more clients mm -hmm. feedback. Is this an issue that you're hearing much about? Are people concerned about it or any, or is it more just interested bystanders? I think it's uh, the classic question you get from uh, clients, Peter, is if they are interested in this, there's a lot of them that aren't. Um, but the, the classic question you get is, what happens What happens to me money either way? So if a Biden gets in, what 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 could happen if a, if a Trump stays in, what happens? And obviously we, we don't know that. It's probably a question that probably was on Jeff's list today, but that, that's the standard thing that clients would tend to ask. And I think, Jamie, that's that's why diversification is, is mm -hmm. crucially important because there, there is never a, a, a binary outcome. There's there's so many nuances around the, the areas of the market that could be or may not be impacted by the change that why, in terms of how we build the portfolio and how we think about that, it's important that we have exposure to, to various different segments of the, the market that, that will be able to benefit from from either of the, the policies that are being, being put in place and discussed by, by both sides. And I think what we've seen and speaking to the, the managers that, that obviously we use within the, the true potential portfolios range is that very few of them are making any significant changes uh, to their portfolios at, at this point in time. Just on that fact that it's, you, as you alluded to at the start, it's a, it can be an unknown. And we've seen votes and polls be very different um, over the recent, recent past. And I know that a lot of the, the US pollsters have tried to adjust for that at this point in time. But... Um, with 60 sort of million postal votes, it does um, does inject a different uh, potential outcome um, over the coming two weeks as we get closer to the 3rd of November. I'll just give a little plug here to the next edition of True Insight, which, as you know, is the quarterly investment magazine that True Potential produces. And it's it's out now. It's be, be delivered to homes in the next couple of days. There's a great article in there looking at the different policies of the two candidates and what a what an outcome might mean, for example. But there's an interesting element in there, I think it's in that article, um, where it looks a little bit at what the markets tend to prefer. You know, White House or a Democrat, how does how does that balance off against how the where the majority is in the House and the Senate? And I think, I don't want to steal too much of the article and, and give it away, but um, it's perhaps not what you would think. Jeff, is there any, have you come across anything in your analysis over time of just what, what the what the best yeah, sort of I, I, is. I think the market likes to split between the Senate and the House. It just provides yeah. that check and the balance. So, you know, a lot of talk and discussion has been made at the moment of, of a blue wave where you could have the Democrats taking both the Senate and and the House. That historically hasn't been something that the equity markets have favoured because you don't have that, that check and balance. Mm. And I think at this point in time, that check and balance is, is quite important given where we know fiscal deficits are in the in the US. And um, that is something that you would get if you had a split between the, the Senate and the House. If for both are, are Democrat, clearly that, that's not gone to occur. Okay. David, looking back over the last few presidents, who would you say has been the most effective US president that you can recall? Um. It would have to be, I think, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that had the biggest effect. Um, I, I, it's so difficult. I, it, it clearly, when you had um, what you could have thought was more, you know, even more of a pantomime uh, with Ronald Reagan, but that area, that 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 time with Reagan, and then his interaction with Thatcher. I think was beneficial for for this country, 
Mm. And I, I, I come at it from the point of view of purely being British and thinking, mm. you know, what is it that, um, what is it that suits us? Uh, uh, Obama didn't seem to suit us. He didn't seem to want to engage with us. There's a lot of, he seemed to be carrying a lot of baggage uh, uh, for me um, about things in the long, dim, distant past, which none of us can influence. And if those things were to happen again, all of us, I think, would would uh, take a different view. And that, that's what I, why, in a way, Peter, I know you, you're closer to them than me. Some politicians are just awful. They're just awful. They, they will say and do anything to get into power. And when they get into power, they don't know what to do with it. And I think Trump is one of these people that... Um, you know, nobody's really examined his business acumen and mm. all the rest of the sea. What was it that drove this man to the top? And it's his daddy's money. You know, that's, you know, he started with a lot of money and he's ended up with lit, a lot less. And he just says outrageous things on, you know, celebrity shows. And yet he becomes president of the most, still the most powerful and uh, freest country uh, in the world. And I, I use, you know, inverted commas around freest, but Joe and Kamala, um, you know, they, in the, the, the places where the population normally doesn't vote, um, and maybe a big part of the postal vote, uh, I, I think it's very different from Hillary uh, this time around. Uh, Biden tends to be, you know, the danger for us is in the UK is Biden begins to act like Obama did, you know, dredges up the past and he begins to, because it'll affect us as well, he begins to go crazy on renewables and all the rest of it. We, you know, we, there's some little known facts about renewable energy, such as it's not really, doesn't pay us to have it. Um, so, you know, good luck with him trying to change America into a renewable powerhouse, the way they're sitting on trillions and trillions of cubic uh, litres of natural gas and oil and all the rest of it, which they could use as a damaged environment only because you can't uh, control yet the, the stuff that comes out of it. So when you, when you look at it in, in that context, Peter, you know, Looking back over them, Obama was not good for us, you know. Um, but Trump showed up lately. He's not, you know, Trump nearly knocked uh, uh, Boris backwards a bit because, you know, when he said he, he liked Boris, you know. Um, I might have cut Boris the election because people don't, unless I'm, once again, I, I maybe have a very tight circle of, of people that, I hope I don't, but. You know, people don't. <laughs> Once again, I've never met in America anybody who admitted to voting Democrat. I've never met anybody in Britain that thinks Trump's anything but an idiot. But he's it's a dangerous idiot. You know, this this man is quite dangerous. Biden just seems like I don't know somebody who thinks he's living in a kind of I don't know American island. You know, which you know he's just didn't understand any history at all about mm. any of that. It's just in some way in his dim distant past, somebody's told him we came across. We were there first, Joe. Mm. <laughs> the English, David, do you, do you think the English that came across couldn't care less either? You know, when when Trump came in four years ago, he, he, his whole ticket was, "I'm not like them people. I'm not an establishment mm. Washington politician. I'm not a politician." Yeah. I think in some respects, he hasn't said enough of that. He, he did the other day put another tweet out saying, you know, if you think I don't speak like a politician, if you think I don't act like one, guess what? It's because I'm not a politician in capital letters. And that's been his yeah. best ticket. I wonder whether for some people who maybe four years ago was, were sick of, let's say, the political class and wanted something different, maybe now look at it and think, actually, there is something to be said for at least people who are, uh, professional at, at doing that job, or, you know. Do you think? Well, I suppose what I'm asking is, do you think he's restored some credibility to the idea of um, politicians, or or not at all? No, I, I think <laughs> look, there's no credibility to politicians, right? Let's just 
put that out on the table. It allows up the politicians to change the way they speak and act in front of the in front of the people that vote for them. So if you if you say and do stupid things, which is going on in both countries, then you will lose the affinity of your voter. And people will either not vote at all or vote for the least political person they can see. And Boris Johnson came across as the least political person that they could see last year. He seemed to me to be appealing to voters uh, because he's like a bit like us. I mean, none of us have gone to Eton, you know, I think I might go next year and see what it's like. But nobody, you, you don't want that, you know, you, you're necessarily for your sons and daughters. But he, he somehow cast that off and, and, and is speaking to people as ordinary people. And he'll break the logjam and he'll stop this political toing and froing in the Commons. And he did. Trump had that opportunity, quite rightly. And I think... A lot of people would vote for him because they just didn't like the Clinton, the Clinton dynasty. You know, they just didn't like the Obama dynasty where, you know, all of a sudden, where's he at? He's at, you know, Davos or somewhere, uh, dealing with other people who have, but you know, removed themselves almost since school yeah. from the population. You see this country here. I wouldn't let anybody be a politician until they're 35. I would, I, I, you know, they don't have to, but they need to have some experience of life. I don't want them learning about life, you know, with, with my vote. I, I, I don't. I'm not a grumpy old man. I am a grumpy old man, but I'm not a grumpy old man in terms of thinking that you, you, you just know better when you're older. I think the, 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 what it's appealed to the Americans for Trump was that he was not like these people that they see wandering around doing deals and, you know, giving up. But his, his appeal is definitely Bible Belt, Middle America, all the rest of it. That's, that's his appeal. He had his opportunity, Peter, for me. The same as Boris still has an opportunity to get back to the Boris mm. we're attracted to, who broke through things and did things and wasn't led by the same class of people he's listening to, the same class of advisors that, you know, will spin you round and round and round in a circle and you get nowhere fast. And it's, um, it's maybe, I suppose, came too late in the day for Trump because he did try and use some of that rhetoric last night again and get back to trying to put across how he is, is different. He's not your traditional pop, uh, politician and tried to use that language, but... He's, it's, I would suggest, too little too late for him to try and, and re-establish that. He's, he's, he's moved too far from that. Let it go on too long. I think you know where Trump stands, what he stands for a bit, you know, because yeah. he is confused. Um, you wouldn't know what Bi Biden stands for. He just stands for anything that, that can get him in. I think, like, like a lot of politicians, not like every politician, I have to say, you know, is it... I don't think it's a thing called, there is a thing called a political class, but it isn't just the politicians. It's a whole, as you know, Peter, it's a whole apparatus that sustains them and lives off them. Mm -hmm. right? and that's gone on for hundreds of years. The people that whisper in people's ears, the people that breathe media, etc. There's an interesting thing the other day which led to, it started off the presidential campaign, but it was really about the independence of the media, which a lot of us, whether we like it or not, rely upon news outlets to, to uh, get information, which then forms our opinion. And, you know, the debate was really how independent is, you know, Fox News, for example, would be seen as very right-wing and very pro-Trumpish, whereas, I don't know, New York Times might be towards the left. Um, and they, they got into a debate about Britain and, and so on. And you're quite right, Jeff. Trump tried to miss that out by using Twitter to go direct to the population, which was a cunning kind of move and, and, and a clever move. Um, 
you may love or hate Twitter. I may never. I don't use it. Um, I do use social media, um, but only to get people to buy from me. You know, I'm not interested. Really, not interested in uh, telling anybody about me or actually hearing about it. Uh, but then he spoiled it by, you know, announcing policy within seconds of hearing something. Out he'd come with Twitter. Do you think he's a child? He, you know, because a lot of the stuff he comes out with, he later then has to change. Um, and you can see what media does, Peter. You can see what's happened here with the, with the COVID campaign, where in theory, Boris, because he's mistrust of media uh, uh, and whatever in the country, he's slight mistrust, I have to say. I, I've got a slight mistrust of it. Some papers I don't trust at all. Um, but by going direct to the public and talking to them at 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or whatever, that sounded like a masterstroke. But then, guess what he did? You know, he invited the same people with their loaded questions to get into a debating society at the end of it all. Uh, and then you can see it, you know, when he was ill, you got the B team coming out, and they would have been, as you would know, spent four hours getting briefed by. Yeah people whispering in their ears, now, Robert will ask you this question, and this is what you say. You can see, the, 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 you know, person goes, so what day is it today? And they go, oh, hell, I wasn't briefed on that. Um, <laughs> well, um, it's 228 per 100,000. Yeah, but what day is it? <laughs> oh, it's yeah. a half a dozen eggs. You know, so when you get the B team, been briefed out of their brains by the sneaky uh, advisors, and then the question comes from, you know, left field. The, the media people are smart. I mean, they, they've got nothing else to do but think about how... Well, we did get the David, didn't we? We, we? I remember on this podcast in March, we had this mm. conversation and we said it, it'll end in tears doing that, and um, if, of course, if they'd been watching, they would have... Yeah. Maybe they could have got a tip, but anyway. Mm. Um, David, you touched on it there, but I wanted to just pick up. Looking at Trump and Biden, as a businessman, as you are, presumably, I'm going to guess here, you'd rather deal with someone like a Trump, who's more of a businessman than, say, Biden is, but probably also because you could beat Trump. <laughs> you, could probably, you could probably get a better deal out of him than, than he would know. Well, everybody else has. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I mean, if, if I look at some of Trump's... Um, language even just last night i think on the debate he was saying that you know that they had a ding dong over coronavirus and yeah. biden seems to be arguing for more lockdowns and by trump was more or less saying look you know this is not as it's not the you know it's not the scary thing that you read about you know this is we've got to just get on and learn to live with this thing yeah that's right i think i think you know um first of all uh, the the we have shareholders in our company who are American. So we, we've got maybe more information than the normal Brits about what the business, a, a particular kind of business, um, you know, a financial company uh, thinks is going to win. Um, and, you know, because we always take the mickey out of them you know, they're, they're from New York and, uh, you know, see, well, <laughs> this is the closest I'll get to meeting a, a, a Democrat because you're New Yorkers, but they're in financial services. So the, 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 if you would ask them what they'd want, they'd want a Republican president that wasn't Trump. That, 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 that's, that's it. They'd want, they'd want a Republican. They want low taxes uh, for their own uh, selfish means, as far as some comes, I, I don't mean that in a, a bad way. For for their own reasons, that they would retain more profit, and in their words, would be reinvesting that money for the good of all. Um, but in our words, you'd probably just buy a bigger house, you know. But that 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 life is about that, you know. There's no doubt. Jeff touched on it earlier. If you if there's thirty percent of your profit goes. You know, you get hit with that once. By the time they come for it the second time, your headquarters is in somewhere else. You know, the, all these tax rates only have one hit and then they move things around. And we can all scream about that. 
But, you know, when you've worked hard to get the profit, you kind of want a say in where that money goes to. And when you see the money getting squandered, that's why you don't, you know, as a, as, as a person, you don't necessarily think that high taxation is a good thing. I don't think high taxation's ever done anything good at all. I'm not for allowing people not to pay their fair share of tax. So Trump um, would be low tax. Trump um, is not a, a, a COVID denier because he's going to find hard to deny it doesn't exist all of a sudden. Because there was a while where he wasn't going to get it, then <laughs> somebody sent somebody. It's like sending somebody in with a hair on fire into a tent, isn't it? And so, <laughs> I, I, if I'd been a Democrat, I would have found somebody, I'd have done a bit of testing, got somebody the virus, and sent them to shake hands with Donald <laughs> um, and everybody else around him. And somebody obviously did. Somebody did that with Boris, didn't he? You know, Boris was a COVID denier until it nearly killed him. Um, there's no denying it's they. Their approach is different to it. And you can see that. I mean, what's staggering is it not that we're, we're getting locked down left, right and centre. Um, you know, when I, I was more concerned last night trying to work out what Sunak is saying and what he's not saying. £2,000, that's very good. You know, we, we, we've got businesses with millions of pounds worth of turnover. Two grand. It's very nice. I'd rather give it to somebody else um, than take, you know, a cash grant. That's not going to make any difference. If it's two million, I'll, I'll set up. Um, so, you know, when you, when you begin to to weigh all of this stuff up, then you look on the TV, and there's no bugger in there. Really, got a mask on. <laughs> they're all, you know, they're talking about empty things, but then the media shows you of them everywhere wanting around together um, I, I think this virus is a, is a very strange phenomena and yeah. our approach to it I think says a lot about our society it says that some people don't ever want to die don't think they're ever going to die and therefore they're scared um, you always get that but it's more than more than ever um, you know, there's no problem with, you know, somebody of Jamie's age or Jeff's age or your age, Peter. Statistically, mm -hmm. statistically, factually, so far, there doesn't seem to be much of a problem in you catching it. In fact, there's a very positive side of it because you could be, become part of a population that could continue to work um, without spreading the disease. Um, all the people and infirm people, it will hurt you. Uh, no doubt about that. It, it, it looks as though it's a nasty thing that gets gets the grips with you. Um, but, but it, you know, uh, and don't get me started. I mean, here we go. Here's the winter. Out come the begging bowls, you know, from all the bureaucrats in the NHS, not the frontline workers. Uh, we're going to be short. You know, they're prophesizing Armageddon again. It just happened to be COVID this time. Mm. Um, but it, I suppose you know, it, 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 you know that's the, the the thing, isn't it, David? To an extent that there, there's data out there that we can all look at and we can appreciate. And we went from a situation where people were talking about being data-led and analysing the data and looking at a real, I suppose, bringing together a diverse set of views. But we seem to have focused on one particular view as a, as opposed to to many others. And you know, you. Yes. you take a step back and you, you, we think about how how we work. It's about having diversification within the portfolios and those different views and thinking about how we bring those together. And it seems that we've kind of swung from a, a very different view. We'll be data led, but oh, the data is not telling us what we want. But but bring other views into the, the mix and, and let's debate it and discuss it. And I suppose one could argue that Trump has maybe tried to do that in a very awkward way in, in, in the US and how he's done things um, and hasn't been successful in that. But it does show a different approach and a different approach that has had a slightly different economic outcome or appears to be having a different yes. economic outcome at, at this point in time. And, you know, similar to what we've seen in Asia as well, where 
test and trace, the use of technology has, has really allowed economies to reopen and reopen quickly. And we see that in China and we see that in okay. South Korea. We see that in Taiwan. Um, you know, there, there's just different approaches and maybe the media, going back to that point, has, has focused in on one. And we, we need to well, take these I other think, things into the mix. You know, Jeff, you and I were both across in China early in the year. We, we uh, attended conferences there. We, we spoke to very influential people. Uh, there um, to get, uh, as we do, as you do all the time, uh, a feel for, you know, firsthand as to why these places do well. Um, it wasn't, you know, because, uh, and false data there, we were laughing about that uh, coffee chain that was opening up um, so many new outlets a day. Um, but then it turned out that that was fake news to use Donald's thing and ju just to, to boost the, the share price. Um, <laughs> I thought so. I just what was, thought it, was, it, was it? Was it was it Luckin Coffee or something like that? Yeah, it was... yeah. so the, you you and my other two colleagues we met, made many jokes about let's get a cup of Luckin Coffee uh, and I didn't <laughs> join in in that because I thought it was childish. Um, but that was the name of it. Um, I, I, but the, the Chinese that we saw were queuing for, for not just for looking coffee, but Starbucks or, uh, or anything where you'd put the name on a little cup, you know, and show Dick, you know, or whatever they were called. And, uh, you know, but that's where I, when anybody asked me, what's your name to put on the coffee cup? I just go Dick. Because I just wanted to shout that, that name out across the... I could think of other names. I just think it's just balmy, you know, but never mind. And we would just go and get the free coffee. There's no, <laughs> and they were paying. They were standing in a queue to get coffee. <laughs> it comes from the same place, uh, but never mind. Uh, and I was, mine was in a China cup, and <laughs> not a Chinese cup, a China cup. And theirs was in a plastic <laughs> thing. Um, but when you, you, you look at that, and that's quite important, Jeff, what you've put on. We've diversified. The population of Britain is diversified. You can cut it down person by person by person, you know, into each person of the 60 odd million people that we've got. Now, there's no difference between me and my Scottish colleagues or my Welsh colleagues or my Irish uh, compatriots at all, apart from my age and my circumstances. In fact, I'm nothing like anybody. I'm totally different to anybody, as we all are. But if you begin to band them together as one mass, you begin to make a problem, don't you? You know, you, you begin to cause massive problems, which we've seen in the past. We shouldn't need to learn this again. If you think everybody in, in Russia is a worker and they should all earn the same and they should all have the same size of farm to work on or You've got to turn out the same amount of goods out of a factory and they've got to get the same money. You can see what happens to that because that's humans are very different to each other. Um, so the diversification ploy that we have, the play that we have there, which is massively diversified, is to avoid that, is to almost be natural and say, this might go up and we hope it all goes up, but the chances are not everything's going to go up. Something's going to go down. We don't really know in advance exactly how it's going to happen. So let's go for buying the best quality we can in as many different classes of investment that we can and look at it every day. That's our philosophy. That's the way you work, Jeff. That's the right approach. When we look at the approach of, if you like, centralized anything, centralized bureaucracies, it's the opposite of that. It's everybody's a grade one. A grade two, oh, here we are, tier one, tier two, tier three. Here we are, postcodes, you know, your tier two. Next door, that's just tier one. And then somebody comes along and said, well, people walk in between the postcodes. What are you going to do about that? Lock them down. And instead of what we have said right from the start, I'm quite happy to be a smart so-and-so, um, you know, 
our approach was very different. It was the opposite of what the government did to begin with. It was the opposite of what the government uh, did in practice and what we did in practice, which was we're not scared of it. We just don't want to catch it, especially in the early stage. We didn't know what it was. It was a killer or not. Um, and we, we fled, if you like, and sat in our houses and we got everybody else to flee and sit in their houses because we're digital. So we can do that. We, we, we can work just as easily from home to do the day-to-day -day stuff. We can't work just as easy from home and be an inventive, creative, and good fun kind of company to work for. You know, half the, half the time we're just having a laugh. Mm. The rest of the time we're trying to earn money. Um, and it's very difficult to do that when you, when you are locked away. We know that. But here's the, here's the big but, right? And I've observed this for the last umpteen years, trying to get on the train, whereas a bunch of people with anoraks on and Dr. Martin's boots with big computers traveling up and down, up and down, and then they'll travel across to, say, Manchester or Leeds, which has nothing to do with Newcastle. Here's another big sign for, you know, where we're wrong. Newcastle's nothing like Manchester. I'm nothing like Andy Burnham. I think he's doing a good job of stirring up Mancunians against those nasty Tories. But you should just need to, if he looks up a little bit, there's some nasty Tories all around him. You know, and it's not about that. If he really wants to help these people, he doesn't pick a fight on behalf, on behalf of Keir Starmer. And you've got to be nuts if you don't see what he's doing. All right? Now, you might agree with him or disagree with him, but by, by doing that, is he making it any better or any worse? Probably making no difference because the virus doesn't care. It's not something you can fight. If you don't know where it is, you can't get people to avoid it or you can't get people to catch it. Right? If you don't know where it is, and if you South Koreans <laughs> knew where it was, that's the difference. The Germans, just have a look at their stats. What I would have done, and it's what I do every day, if something's beating me or something's doing really well, I just wander around there. I'm curious. I want to know why your approach is working better than mine. And if I can't, I'll pinch it and I'll improve upon it. We haven't done that. The NHS doesn't do that. It's their way or no way. It's a centralized approach. And sometimes that works, you know, when you want a very pointy thing to punch through something. But because we're humans, normally over the long term, that doesn't work. It pins people down. And then you have to enforce people, which is what we're doing, to follow the party line and make people feel as though they look at that, that's terrible. You're mixing with people. And that, that you know, mm. I said two things, Peter, predictions. One is that we're all going to have to catch this thing you know, eventually the, 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 the strategy of the government um, uh, has failed because, unfortunately, they didn't want anybody, as few people as possible, to catch it, and therefore they've locked people down until they find a vaccine. <laughs> Jamie, we noticed, I noticed you step up and walk off before. Was that the Amazon man coming? or? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so he obviously did. I could. Well, we were talking about these headphones before, so I couldn't hear the. I couldn't hear the doorbell first of all. <laughs> and then he starts banging on the window, and I can't hear him then. And then he's, then he's opened the door and put the thing in. So I've had to, just before you know, in Bertie, you don't let a, you know, you don't let a delivery driver in your house in case, in case he steals something. Like a so, door, right? Yeah, like, just in Bertley. <laughs> yeah. I just, I would worry about, it's a bit like I said to, to Earl when that keeps happening to him. They keep, he says, these strangers keep knocking on his door. And since he's been at home, you know, he's just become aware of it. I would just be a little bit more worried about that, really. I, I think this is a deeper thing. Because I think you've had your, your, your doormat stolen, haven't you? And then, then on camera, you caught them on camera stealing your doormat. And I think it was just because it's Bertley. People are going, what's that? What's that on the ground? Oh, that's nice. It says, welcome. I'll just take it. <laughs> You're welcome to it. What was really weird is how it came back. <laughs> that tells you you've got something that nobody wants, Jamie. 
I'm laughing as well there. I was bragging about how good these headphones were at the start, and I just. <laughs> oh, brilliant! So, so Graham in the behind-the-scenes team needs to do a little edit here, where at the start, James, Jamie was saying, "You need to get some of these guys," and then just cut yeah. straight to that moment there when Jamie's microphone's cut off; he can't hear us anymore. Brilliant! When uh, I'm going to say, Peter, I'm going to save up and I'm going to get some with the wire on. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was that? Uh, they they look better than these. Your, your microphone's going a bit funny as well, David. What was that? We didn't quite catch it. <laughs> don't worry Jeff it'll come oh. back to our way of thinking and eventually don't worry <laughs> right well look we've done nearly an hour um, it's been an education today Jamie I'm going to ask you what's, what is your we always ask traditionally what's your plan for the weekend so apart from opening that Amazon box to see what your other half's bought for you or her what's your plan well I, I'm actually I was, I was planning on applying to be an MP but only being 34 I've got another year left before I can really apply for that so, I think, Jamie. I think I don't think you apply. I think this. I think you have to be voted. Uh, I think you've got a bit of work to do there, but <laughs> a bit of reading up to do on how it actually works. It's not doesn't work that way in this country. But good luck. Yeah. No, I think um, I'm still. I might just catch it on some well-deserved sleep again, Peter. I know we've, talk, we've joked about this every uh, podcast, but um, my lack of sleep is is. I think I'm I'm getting used to three hours a night. <laughs> so newborn, newborn baby. Uh, Jeff, are you going to have a, a Trump-style weekend where kind of anything goes, or more of a Biden relaxed in an armchair weekend? Well, um, it, it'll probably depend what, what Nicholas says today, because I think I'm going to be told what one of the five tiers is that we can have in Scotland. So I'm, I'm really <laughs> probably going to have to study that to see where I fit and how that works with me commuting across to, to the office here. And I'm not sure. So that'll be my weekend. It'll probably take two days to understand. Have you got a sleeping bag? Have you got a sleeping bag at the office there, just in case you're not allowed back in? I'm waiting to see a police car sitting at the border saying we're just closed now. You can't go across, sorry. <laughs> yeah. David, what, you, what well, are you doing this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> working. I'm working this weekend again. Um, just to keep everybody, uh, to pay my taxes, to keep everybody happy. Just, just working, <laughs> to, working to pay some of that tax for, for, for to, to bail out some other country probably is what I think you should be doing. But we can see you're sat I at home. We can see Jamie sat at home and Jeff, good luck getting home. Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you all, uh, gents, for your contributions today, David. Thank you, Jeff and Jamie as well. And thanks also to you for watching the Do More With Your Money podcast. Back, of course, next week. And as I said at the start, the best way to make sure you don't miss a beat is to subscribe. So just head to our YouTube channel, subscribe on there, and you'll catch every moment. And, of course, keep an eye out for Jeff on uh, Morning Markets each morning, letting you know what's happening to your money. Uh, thanks very much, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Peter. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please leave a like and don't forget to subscribe to the True Potential YouTube channel. If you have any questions or requests for future videos, let us know in the comments.